Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It is Victory Lane. Today is episode 67. We're racing with Robin. If you don't know who Robin is by now, well, that's my girlfriend. She's wonderful. She's tremendous. She's terrific. She's beautiful. She's the best. And we're going to be talking some racing with her. And let me tell you, she knows her stuff. Stay tuned to see how well she knows it, and we'll also get into who she thinks is cute, who she thinks is not. Obviously, for all the ladies watching, I'm sure that you will agree with most of her takes. But episode 67 is the Buddy Arrington edition of the show. Did some looking up on him, as you should say, research. 481 starts, 15 top five finishes in those races. About a fourth of them, he got top tens. 103 top ten finishes for Mr. Arrington. David Pearson also ran the 67 car for a handful of races, but Buddy drove a real nice-looking red, white, and blue number 67 car. And a fun fact that I learned about him when doing this research, he has the second-most starts in the Cup Series without a win. 481 tries and zero times going to victory lane. 99% sure that the guy who owns that title, which you don't want to own, by the way, is J.D. McDuffie. Uh, Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure he is the one driver who has the most starts without a win. Some things about Buddy, he was really loyal to Mopar. I didn't really know a ton about them other than they used to be the sponsor in the one truck of Ted Musgrave back in the day. But he also had his son Joey Arrington on his pit crew. And I want to say that I heard on Positive Regression that he may have even made Joey, his son, a crew chief of his car back in the day. I don't know if that's positive, um, but it sounds familiar. But this episode is dedicated to him, Mr. Buddy Arrington, episode 67 in that nice-looking red, white, and blue race car. Today, we're going to recap the race from Texas. As I said, chat with my girlfriend, Robin, about her indoctrination to NASCAR. That's a good word for it because she knew a little bit about it, but nowhere near as much as she knows now, whether she likes it or not. Briefly touch on Kansas and say goodbye for a couple weeks. I'll explain. Let's start this episode, as always, with a good, old-fashioned... O'Reilly Auto Parts 500 from Texas Motor Speedway. Another race that was too long. Didn't have a lot of action. Not great tire wear at all. We'll get to that. But a Quinn Huff caution, or as I like to call him, Quinn Hoof, with a big oof. His mistake late in the race shook things up and gave us some action to report on. So it's about, I don't know, I think it was like... 20, 30 laps to go, something like that. And the two RCR cars of Austin Dillon and Tyler Reddick, they make a strategy play. Um, Tyler Reddick took zero tires. I think he took fuel only. Austin Dillon took two. So they wind up restarting on the front row. And because of the track, the PJ1, the aero package, the tire, whatever you want to say, but also clean air, nobody could catch them. And it winds up being a green-white checkered in regulation because of a couple late cautions between Denny Hamlin and Alex Bowman. Then Denny Hamlin a self-spin once again. So we're in regulation. Quick sprint, dash to the finish. And it's Austin Dillon who puts the three car back in victory lane for the first time 
in over two years, 88 races. So he's now a three-time winner in the Cup Series. He has a Coke 600 victory. That was on fuel mileage. He has a Daytona 500 victory. He booted Eric Almirola out of the way on the final lap, coming to the checkered and led one lap in that race. But this one, he did earn. I mean, make no bones about it. It was a strategy call that got him up there. But a win's a win. It's not a fuel mileage win. It's not a rain-shortened win. It is a regulation victory that did not come with any other factors that really were at play in the last 10 or so laps. It happened to be the last 20 or 30, but he doesn't care because he is now a three-time winner in the Cup Series. He actually went to the infield care center after the win because it was hot as hell at Texas on Sunday. So he got some fluids uh, after he drank some ice-cold Coca-Cola. And here is the winner himself walking us through the end of that race and now how it feels to be a three-time winner in the Cup Series. Well, you know, I just had to have confidence in uh, that we, the moment, the car, um, you know, we had a car that had potential. It just, it didn't really run well um, in traffic. We had, Justin and I both talked and seen what kind of happened at Kentucky with Cole and like in the ways that they had ran it. It doesn't really race great, but if you can get the track position at some point, you can you can be fast. And that's uh, you saw when we got out front, we had a, a hot rod. And uh, I got to thank all of our partners: Bass Pro Shops, American Ethanol, Dow, Coca Cola, everybody that makes this uh, possible. But you know, the the call was the win. I mean, the call that Justin made. I asked him for something. Our car was fading, and I thought Tyler. Um, his car was a little better coming down the stretch and he had kind of caught me, but we had track position on him. And, um, I said, man, I gotta have something to, to finish this race off. And he said, all right, we're taking lefts and lefts had kind of freed my car up all day. I was tight. And when we put the lefts on, it was the call that we needed to, to go on and win the race. And then it came down to just some restarts, not screwing up and, um, making it happen when it counted on those restarts, getting through the gears timing them, changing up. I had some good pushes. My buddy, Kurt Bush, he gave me a good shove, that first one. And then Joey Logano was a lot of help also down the stretch. That first win at Charlotte, as I mentioned, he only led two laps in that one. Daytona, he led one lap. It happened to be the most important one, the final lap. This one feels a little bit better because, as he says here, he took it from him. He earned it. Not that he didn't earn the other ones, but this one just feels a little bit different, vibe-wise. Hell yeah, it does. (laughs) We took it from him. That feels good. You know, I mean, um, you, you, I've said it to my grandfather. I said, man, yeah, the two races we won were fuel mileage and one was, uh, the Daytona 500. It played out either way. We, we had to make it happen. And, um, so they're both big wins in my career, but this one, once again, we had to make it happen multiple times and, uh, on, on older tires. So that was pretty cool. And, um, it feels great. Team owner, Richard Childress was watching the race from the command center back at the race shop, which, by the way, I think Marty Snyder of NBC is going to be stationed there for tonight's race in Kansas. And, of course, as you're listening to this, Kansas probably already happened. But Chevrolet has been good this season. But I don't know if he even saw this happening. A 1-2 finish for Richard Childress Racing and back in victory lane for the first time in a while. I mean, it's great. You know, the whole team, Chevy's did a great job giving us a really good car. And having Tyler Reddick there to work with, he's got a teammate that he's really – uh, working good with and to see both those guys racing for the win I knew they weren't gonna I was hoping they didn't wreck each other but uh, it was it was pretty cool to see RCR in the front right 
as I said, a 1-2 finish for them. That's the first time that their cars have finished in the top two spots in almost a decade. Last time that happened was at Talladega Super Speedway in 2011. It was Clint Boyer who got the win then and Kevin Harvick who finished in second. And for a smaller team that historically has been amazing, but as of late has not been up to snuff competing with JGR, Penske, Haas, Hendrick, even Ganassi, this is a real big deal. Well, it means a tremendous amount, Dustin, because, you know, we, we've struggled and, and everyone knows that. But Chevy has really worked hard and put together a great car for us. And to be able to go out and be able to uh, win in a Chevy and be one, two today, uh, it, it meant a lot. And for RCR and ECR, uh, we've got so many partners that stuck with us through the whole thing. And to be able to have them uh, bring the win home in a second place finish for Cat, you know, it's just amazing. So RC was in the command center. But who made the call atop the pit box? Allegedly, <laughs> that was Justin Alexander. And fun fact, all of Austin Dillon's wins in the Cup Series at Charlotte, Daytona, and now Texas have come with Justin atop the pit box. So they got a good thing going, and I don't think I'm going to want to touch that if I'm Richard Childress. Those last few restarts being, in most cases, what you thought was a sitting duck, there was a lot of nerves that were going through Justin Alexander's mind, but he had faith in his driver and the tires to wind up holding on for the victory. Yeah, it was uh, it was very nerve-wracking to say the least. We uh, we kind of had a good lead there with uh, about 15 to go, and the caution came out. And you know, every time a caution comes out, anything can happen. And especially battling with Tyler, he's so good. He's been good all day. Uh, he went to the back for a little bit, but came back up to the front. So uh, those last couple of restarts, um, just nerve-wracking. Just anything can happen. And um, you know, I, we believed in Austin, and you know, he did such a good job every you know the, the previous one. So just kind of hold your breath moment. And, um, but you know, we got through Austin did a heck of a job and, uh, can't say enough about everyone on this team. Now we're going to get into some tire talk because as Justin tells you here, the call really was not all that difficult. And I, and I agree for what it's worth, because you saw all day, there was no fall off. Like the tires wore, as we'll hear in a minute, but they didn't fall off, especially for those two cars, because they put on two left side tires and they usually do two rights. If you're going to do two tires at all. So it was interesting to see how many drivers decided to take four tires or decided to go with two instead of none. Because at the end of the day, when you look at the, the way that the race was going for the 400 and you know, 60 miles that it was up until that point, track position, track position, track position, clean air, clean air, clean air. Like that was everything for cars that had race winning speed, which was Ryan Blaney for the first two and a half stages. And Denny Hamlin as well, Brad Keselowski as well. I mean, look, at Kevin Harvick and Joey Logano caught a caution at the right time. If they stayed out or if they took two tires even or maybe even no tires, we'd be talking about them winning the race, not Austin Dillon. So he knew that this car was going to handle well on two tires, that being the three of Austin Dillon, and it was a slam dunk. You know, if you watch lap times, we really never fell off any. We, we actually sometimes it would even get a little faster toward the end of runs, so... Um, that definitely played into our strategy and it definitely what he said was, you know, really you're just fighting a, a, a tire. The tires did wear and um, left side wear was a little bit of an issue, but we, um, so we had to, we had to deal with that and, and obviously balance. And when you take lefts versus rights, it, it changes the balance of the car. So definitely we fought that all day along with everyone else. And, you know, I think at the end it was more of a, you know, with, with when we came down there to pit, I, you know, it made sense to me to take two, um, 
or even none because really tires, usually you would fire off slower on four tires. So for us, we had been firing off really good all day on two. Uh, so we took lefts and our car was a little bit tight at the time. So lefts, you know, freed us up, uh, which, which definitely, you know, helped uh, the handling of the car and, and let Austin do what he needed to do. Coming home right behind the winner, Austin, was Tyler Reddick, the two-time and defending Xfinity Series champion. He was doing all he could to win the race, don't get him wrong, but also he didn't want to be that guy and mess it up for everybody that was involved, all the hundreds of employees at RCR that have been working their tails off day in, day out, all day, all night. His win will come, and Richard Childress even said that he's going to win as soon as this year. But a second place, which is now a new career best finish for Tyler Reddick. You see what he's doing week in and week out in the Cup Series and leading this rookie class. Not too shabby, I'd say, Mr. Driver. It's just one of those deals where it's risk versus reward. And, and for us, I'm racing against my teammate. And, um, you know, as much as it's my responsibility to win for this Cat Oil and Gas Chevrolet, um, I don't want to take a win opportunity away from either RCR car. So just trying to race as hard as I can without getting the three in a position where he lifts, slides up, makes me lift, and uh, the cars behind us have an opportunity there to win that race. So I just tried to do it um, as best as I could, and I'm not going to lie, he just uh, he did a really good job in the restart zone of keeping me from getting into a rhythm, being able to work with the 18 of Kyle Busch behind me, who's, who is one of the best, and um, it just had me all jacked up, and Kyle couldn't really give me the pushes that, that he was wanting to give me for himself, but um, for me as well to, to get up there and clear the three or battle with the three so you could have an opportunity at it. So I uh, just got to continue to work on that. Um, you know, a lot of these restarts throughout the year, we've been uh, in, in mid-pack, and we haven't had that opportunity to, to play with that on the front row. And it's really hot and slick today, and it just came down to that launch, and that's something that I didn't do a great job of uh, there in those last couple of restarts. Third place was Joey Logano, and he thought, as, as well as everyone else did, that he would for sure be able to pass those two RCR cars on older tires. He thought they were going to be sitting ducks for the last 30 laps. But as we know, alas, it didn't happen that way because the tire, although it's great in one respect, it's bad in another. He'll explain. Could not believe it. Could not believe it. I was uh, pretty certain when I was fourth on a little bit newer tires. Well, a lot newer tires. I think they had 50 laps on their tires. And um, I thought, man, they're sitting ducks. I got them. And uh, boy, just on the splitter too hard uh, for the first 15 laps. And, and that's the that's tough part about Texas here. You, you know, one and two, you want the splitter down, three and four, you're all over the splitter and you're trying to get off it um, with the banking and the added load. So that was a, a big challenge today for us. We were able to, um, you know, kind of get through it the best we could, but um, not, not good enough. So uh, proud of um, what our Shell Penzo team did today. Um, scoring uh, stage points in the second stage, second place, and having a shot to win. These 550 races have been super hard uh, for us lately. We've been a little bit off, so uh, glad to have a solid run that we ran up in the front all day and then, uh, you know, have a shot to win. So um, hindsight 2020, what we would have done different to, to try to win it, uh, those guys did, but, man, um, congratulations to them. They, they deserve it. They, they made the right call and, um, and executed the restarts great. So. Um, we couldn't do anything with him. And that, ladies and gentlemen, that is the key. He went on to say that they wear, but they don't fall off at all. So you'll get the tires back after a long, you know, 50, 60 lap green flag run. And you'll see that it's wearing even down to the cords at sometimes. But the fall off is not there because the lap times are still being clicked off at an enormous rate, a quick rate when you're 30, 40, 50 laps into a run. 
Um, look, it was another dud of a race. It it wasn't Kentucky. It wasn't that bad because I'd, I'd take Texas 10 times over Kentucky, as I'm sure everybody else was. Um, Kentucky had a really exciting finish and an unpredictable one at that and a surprise winner. I think Texas had the same thing, an exciting finish with differing strategy, an unpredictable one at that, and a surprise winner. Um, Cole Custer was like a 250, 300 to one long shot to win at Kentucky. I think Austin Dillon was like 100 or 150 to one. So not a crazy, crazy upset in terms of Cole Custer or like a John Hunter Dimacek winning. But still, I mean, you had to be out of your mind if you thought Austin Dillon was going to win this race on pure speed. He won it on speed and strategy, being at the right place at the right time. And you got to give credit to him too, right? I mean, he could have easily spun his tires on those last few restarts, lost the lead, been split three wide going into turn one, but he nailed every single one of them. And again, part of that's due to the tire having a lot of grip. Part of that's um, him having the lane choice and being in the PJ1 when and where he wanted to. But he held off his teammate Tyler Reddick. He held off Joey Logano, who had fresher tires behind him, and he got that win. And boy, did he earn it. So congratulations to Austin Dillon. I know I, I said it was a dud of a race, but I'm not going to be too picky. I'll take what I can get. Um, at Dustin and Al- Albino and I on the front stretch wrap-up this week, basically we're talking about how in the past few years, Texas has been terrible. And for Texas standards, like this was pretty good, which is kind of sad and says a lot, but it is what it is. Before we move on to our Racing with Robin segment, I want to touch on the Xfinity and Truck Series that were in action this past weekend. Xfinity, let's start with them first because they came first. Kyle Busch dominates as usual, earns win number 98 in the Xfinity series, but he fails post-race inspection. So he does not get credit for the victory. Austin Sindrick does. And this is his third race in a row that he's won. Because you remember last weekend, he swept the race at Kentucky. And now three wins in a row, three career oval wins, five wins in general. He has more wins on ovals than he does road courses. How about that? Drop the mic. Yeah, obviously great to be able to get the money line for Mustang and Victory Lane, no matter how it happens. Uh, great points day uh, for that. Uh, I honestly just got out of the holler, getting changed back into my street clothes, and uh, saw the 54 and everyone and their brothers surrounding the scales. So, um, obviously, that's never a good sign for those guys, and I know they race hard and work hard. Um, we want to win it on track. I felt like we had a shot to do that today, and maybe – um, didn't execute as well as we should have, and that, that's what kept us out. But um, fast race cars and being in position, and um, that's, that's where it counts. Sorry I had to play that audio for you, Zach Hamilton, uh, my coworker at NBC Sports Washington, if we ever go back to work, still on furlough. But Zach hates Austin Sindrick. I don't know why. He just, he just absolutely despises the guy. Um, how about this? But fear not, because later that night, Kyle won the truck race, and he did pass inspection, so he gets the win there. It's no huge accomplishment whenever he wins a truck race, because we know that he's going to do it whenever he enters, pretty much, unless there's a catastrophic problem. But we know that he, he was very judgmental last year of his drivers, Harrison Burton and Todd Gillen, who piloted those Kyle Busch Motorsports trucks on a full-time basis. So it's about halfway through the year, if not more than that for trucks, How's Christian Eckes doing? How's Rafael Lassard doing? Let's get to check in from the boss man. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm real proud of the effort. I said that on TV after the race as well, too. Just um, it's really cool to see those guys run well, do well. Um, you know, Christian is, is a very quiet kid, but um, is a smart one and, and does a good job behind the wheels. So um, being able to see him run well at Pocono and then they had a flat right rear, and nothing that he really did that, that caused that and then spun out. But, um, you know, here tonight, ran strong, ran hard. 
um, was leading coming in the final stop. And obviously with me and, and my track record of getting on and off pit road, it, it um, we were able to get the lead from him. And so, um, but he, he did a great job on that final restart as well too, and held on right there with us. So um, last week he was making some passes and making some moves at Kentucky before the rain came. So I was hoping that that race would go and finish to the end, but um, it just didn't happen. So real proud that they're getting their chemistry going and they're getting a little bit better, him and Rudy. And um, I think that that'll only get stronger. And then uh, Rafi, you know, it's been a little bit slower for him to get going, but he's, he's younger and he's got less experience in some of these tracks. He doesn't have as many ARCA starts as, uh, as, as Ekis does. So uh, I'm, I'm, I was proud to see him up in the top six there. I'm not sure where he ended up, but um, you know, looking forward to, to him and Hillman's continuing to get stronger. And that's what it's all about. They just got to build and, and get better. If there's progress and, and you're continuing to see some, some progress going upwards and your finishes going more towards the top, that's where you need to be. Also, it would be remiss if we did not give Ty Gibbs his due because he won another Arkham Menard Series race from Iowa Speedway. IndyCar was there. Simon Pagenaud won the first race. Joseph Newgarden won the second. So a Team Penske clean sweep on that side of things. Ty Gibbs, man, he's won three out of the last four Arkham Menard Series races. You had him winning at Kentucky, Iowa, Pocono. Man, he, he's on another level right now. I don't have the audio of, of him Unfortunately, I was not able to watch that race and join the press conference live, and it was not posted on NASCARmedia.com. However, um, we know that he is really, really doing well for himself right now. There's no other way of, of putting it down. I mean, he's in the best stuff. We know that, but he's also seems to be know what he's doing behind the wheel. That'll do it from this past week in Texas. So why don't you say, let's get into the meat of the show. Interview time. I'm still at my girlfriend's parents' place in Delaware. Um, we're about to take a little bit of a vacation of sorts, which I'll get to at the end of things, but she actually was asking if she could come on the podcast. So I was like, actually, that'd be pretty fun. Um, because whenever I'm watching these races, it's on the weekend and she works her eight to four, eight to five job during the week. She's the breadwinner of the family for sure. Um, and she's like, I should come on the podcast and discuss so I can show the people, uh, what I know. And she does know a lot. So without further ado, here is my lovely girlfriend. Robinho Marks on Victory Lane. All right, party people, this is an historic moment in my podcasting career, my professional career. We are racing with Robin. If you're unfamiliar, as I write in my notes, yes, this is my girlfriend. Say hello to the people. Hello, people. I knew you were going to say that. So we've been dating for about a year and a half now. And as I say, whenever I cue the music... Cue the funky music, white boys, and give you guys a reggae tone at the start of the episodes. I'm at my girlfriend's parents' bay house in Delaware. So we're in Millsboro. There's a big storm going on right now. Are you scared? Just a little bit. Good thing we're at the highest floor of the house. Yep. Is that a, that's, the, that's a bad thing, That's right? a bad thing. Yeah. You can't Tornado- sense my sarcasm. Well, tornadoes, you're supposed to be in the basement, right? Yes. But we don't have a basement here. That's correct. But we're still making the worst decision. Eh, we'll get over it. It's better than TikToking in bed and just not doing anything all day, which is what we usually do. Yeah, you love that. <clears throat> yes, I do. So, Robin, we're going to get into a lot on this episode. Um, so, background for you listeners. Robin and I knew each other when we were in high school because of our uh, youth group. But we never were really like close, close, and definitely not close enough to date. But then we reconnected after we graduated, and now we're happily ever after, right? As I, if I can even speak. So you knew about my NASCAR obsession in high school, and you're smiling. 
Uh, That's about all I knew about you? Yeah, because I was the NASCAR guy. Yes, and it's all you wore and all you talked and about all I and still, all you posted about. And all I still wear, kind of. Yeah, uh, you're not as bad, but it's still bad. Well, we were friends on Snapchat like before. We still don't know how. Right, but my Snapchat username, because when I created it, I mean, when did Snapchat become a thing? Like, I don't know, early high school, maybe? Yeah, something like that. Well, my username is HarvickNut29 because like that was my email that I used for everything. So I was like, yeah, might as well make it my Snapchat username. And did you know you can't change your Snapchat username? Like no matter how hard you try, I've emailed them. I've asked them. I've like been on forums. You can't change it. Cause like when I made my website, I put my Facebook, my Twitter, my YouTube, LinkedIn, all that stuff. Couldn't put my Snapchat because like, yeah, add me Harvick nut 29, the unbiased reporter here. Good to know. So I'm never going to change mine to Martin Truex Jr. Anything (laughs) (laughs) for when I go for when I go for your job in the future. Yeah, clearly. Um, So as I say, like, you know, you knew about my NASCAR obsession, but now you really know about my NASCAR obsession, partly because it's like what I do as a career or I'm trying to do as a career, but partly because you've just seen how I live day in and day out. Is it as bad as you expected Worse than you expected, not as bad, like compared to other people or other friends that you have that are obsessed with like certain sports or certain things in general, because you're one of the biggest hockey fans that I've ever met in my life. But I, I don't think it's fair to say that your hockey obsession rivals my NASCAR obsession. Yeah, I would definitely say for basically any sport, you're the biggest fan I know and most into it. Um, You know, I love obviously seeing that. Uh, you know, you're bringing your passion into what you do and into your job. Um, But I do think you've learned that I do like to have conversations besides NASCAR. That's correct. And so for that, I'm very thankful. Yes. I've learned a lot. I can definitely engage in those conversations. Yeah. But I also have a breaking point. Because before, like, you knew little to nothing. Basically, what you knew about NASCAR was that it was the thing that I was obsessed with and, like, Pretty much that's where the knowledge stopped. Like, you might have known Kevin Harvick. You might have known a couple other, like, retired drivers. Debatable. Like Jeff Stewart, as we'll get to. Um, But you've learned a lot about it since you've just kind of consumed it while I'm sitting on the couch or, like, on Zoom press conferences and this, that, and the other. So this is kind of a broad question, but, like, what have you learned about NASCAR since dating me? Oh my gosh. Where to, where to begin? Yeah, where to begin? I've learned a lot. I keep telling you that you should um, take down a list as I try to name every uh, Cup Series driver yep. that I can. And by and the I, way, she can literally name, like, we're, we'll be watching a race, or I'll be watching a race, and she'll be <laughs> sitting there. And, you know, on the left-hand side of the screen, there's, like, the graphic with the running order, and it's just last names. And she'll mow through, like, I'd probably say, you, you probably know, like, like three 36 quarters. of them. No, yeah. you know more than that. There's 40. You probably know 36. Okay. Because you had never heard of it. Quinn Huff. No. You had never heard of J.J. Yaley, or as you say, Yelly. Yeah, um, no. And like probably Gray Galding. You didn't know like three or four people, but everybody else you knew. You know John Hunter Nemechek. I do. You know Michael McDowell. I do. Um, Who else do you know that's like Timmy Hill? Obscure? You know Timmy Hill? <laughs> that's right. Exactly. So besides like all these drivers that you've come to know and know their numbers, know what their car looks like, all that stuff. I mean, what else have you learned about it? You know, I've learned the oddest details that I shock myself even knowing. I'm sure we'll get to this at some point, but I could tell you what Denny Hamlin's hometown is. Yeah, we'll get to it. (laughs) Um, 
I could tell you Kyle Bush's wife's name. What is it? Samantha. Uh-huh. Do you remember their son's name? Um, it's kind of obscure. I know it. Does it start with a B or a G? Uh-huh. Yeah, B. B. There's an X in it. Braxton. Braxton. Yeah. Braxton. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. That was pretty impressive. That was, that was I give it to myself. That was good. That was good. Um, and it's very entertaining to watch these races with you because you have some interesting commentary and like people that are listening that like watch it week in and week out, you've definitely had that moment where you're watching and you're watching with a new fan for the first time or somebody that doesn't usually watch. And then they just like rattle off these questions like, why is there a pace car? Why are they weaving back and forth? Like, why is there a caution? How long does this last? Like all these random questions. And I remember I was sitting with a couple of my camp friends and we were watching like 20 laps of Bristol and I wrote down like everything they said. So you've learned a lot and you know a lot about it because like, you know, you'll be wanting to do something with me and then you'll come upstairs. You'll be like, oh, it's just the end of stage two. Like, oh my God. So like, she's not, not she's no dumbass here. Like she knows her shit. <laughs> she knows like how stages work. She knows stage breaks. She knows like which tracks have longer races, all that kind of stuff. But you do have your moments here and there where it's very cute and very, uh, I guess, shall we say, novice of you when you're watching. How about endearing? That works. Thank you for helping me with that. <laughs> I mean, you've had your handful of moments where I'm, I'll just chuckle because it's very innocent and it's endearing, as you said. Yeah, that is definitely true. I'll take <laughs> it. <laughs> you've developed a lot of favorites, a lot of hated drivers. Can you run me down some? We'll start with your favorites and why. Marty. <laughs> I don't, I don't think anybody <laughs> calls him Marty, by the way. I call him Marty. Okay. <laughs> um, I think I first started really liking him when you interviewed him, I don't know, maybe a year ago? Yeah, I think it was like a year for and a NBC half ago. For NBC Sports point. Washington. That was like right when we started dating, too. Yeah. So I think that probably timing was great. Yeah, timing was great. <laughs> and this has nothing to do with his success in the sport, but I just thought he was a good guy. He, he seemed fun. Yeah, I mean, he's he's kind of known around the sport as like one of the nice guys that nobody really has a problem with. The one thing that people give him shit for is, so, you know, like when the, the leaders are going at a fast pace and they're trying to get through the slower cars, that's called lap traffic. So what he is kind of given a bad rap for, and it's true, is he just assumes the lapped cars to move over for him and just get out of his way. When in reality, you know, like the track is 100% his and it's 100% theirs too. It's like you got to share the real estate. I can get over that small flaw. Okay. Well, that's, that's cool then. Also, <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but sometimes when I listen to the driver audio, um, his spotter is a guy named Clayton, Clayton Hughes. And he has a very distinct saying that whenever um, he takes a lead, he says, new leader, MTJ. And it's like a thing. Mm. Should be on a t-shirt, but it's not. So you like Marty. Yes. Who else do you like? I like Denny. He's got mm-hmm. swag. He does have swag. I told Again, you that from the outset. Yeah. Again, has nothing to do with his, his skill, success. though he has a lot. Still waiting on that championship. See? I told <laughs> Had you Had to show knows. off a little bit. Uh, but he just seems like a really chill guy. So you have 50% of Joe Gibbs racing as drivers that you like. Yes. You but do not like one Kyle Busch kind of... Bush kinda, um, he brings the scale back to normal because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, he's definitely among my least favorite drivers. So. so tell everybody why you don't like him, specifically how he goes down to Xfinity and trucks and wins all the time. Yeah, I just 
you know, I know that, um, or you've informed me that um, the drivers in those series say that they like um, when Kyle Busch or someone of his caliber competes against them. But I just think, you know, from a pure like win standpoint, he's taking away that opportunity from up and coming drivers, you know, that really need to prove themselves and want to accumulate wins themselves. Yeah. So the thing is about Kyle and Xfinity and trucks, right? So he, first of all, he's also said that once he gets to 100 Xfinity wins, he's going to be done. And he's at 97. I don't buy it. I don't really buy it either. He's at 97 right now. But the thing is, he used to own his own Xfinity Series team. Now he owns his own Truck Series team. The Xfinity thing was kind of a failed experiment. He didn't do well, so he kind of gave up. The Truck team, it's really prominent, is really good. The thing is, though, um, he competes in those five, six, whatever it is, allotted races per year, which, by the way, it used to be unlimited, but because Kyle stunk up the show so many times, NASCAR had to make (laughs) rules to keep him and other cup drivers from racing in it. Um, he competes in those races and wins like 90% of the time because those wins that he does brings attention, race winnings, money to the organization, which then, which then attracts sponsorship, which he's able to put into the two other cars for the young drivers that are competing. So essentially, I mean, he said this too, if he would, if he was not able to compete in those like five races a year, his organization would not exist. So essentially and this is what Kyle Busch lovers would say. The reason that he's racing is not only because he loves it, not only because he's good at it, but because he wants to keep his business afloat. But the detractors will say, well, he could find another way to get that money. He's big enough. He's good enough. Let other guys have a chance. I was going to say, he doesn't need the money. Yeah. Yeah. I assume that's what you were going to say. So you don't (laughs) like Kyle because, and you also think he's kind of just an asshole. Yeah. I just think he has a bad attitude. I mean, KFB this past weekend. (laughs) <laughs> that was pretty funny. It though. was funny. But he has his moments. But as my dad and I told you, like if there's one guy in NASCAR that can actually talk the talk and like back it up with his performance, it's Kyle. So that's that. But you're not wrong. But I mean, I'm looking at cup wins this season. and I was just going to say. And I'm not seeing anything from him. Zero playoff points, Rob. Yeah. Zero. Zero. I think at this point last year, he had like 20 something. He's slacking. Well, it's Denny's year. I'll say it now. I, I agree as well. I actually said before the year started that I thought Denny was going to win. So Pandemic and all, I think it's Denny's year. So and you, I don't even think I got that from you. No. No, it's because you, you, you acquire knowledge throughout. You're a smart cookie. <laughs> you graduated from Virginia Tech. What was it? Summa cum laude? Yep. See, I got it. What was that? My like 17th try? Finally got it? Finally got it. There you go. So you don't like Kyle. You like Denny. You like uh, Marty. What about Clint? You love Clint. I love Clint. He's so entertaining. Yeah. You know, would I hope that he would finish a little higher? Yes. But do I love, you know, hearing his commentary, both when he is racing and when he's discussing other races? Definitely. Yeah. He's a fan favorite. I mean, he won the fan vote. Allegedly, it was outright, but I think Bubba still had the upper hand. But the fans love him because of that reason. Like, he's so endearing. He's funny. He doesn't give a crap what anybody else thinks of him because he's unapologetically himself. Yeah. I love it. I love to see it. Love to see it. Favorite funny moments. Um, we were watching a rain-delayed race at Homestead. Ooh. And we were watching Mike Joy and Jeff Gordon, I think, interview. I don't know. It might have been Jimmy Johnson. But Robin's sitting there. And she's like, ooh, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Because I wanted to show off a little bit, so as you, I try to do. And who did you say that they were? Mike Love. 
who is apparently a beach boy. <laughs> now we know, thanks yeah. to the people of Twitter. Yep. And uh, Jeff Stewart. So you combine Jeff Gordon and Tony Stewart. Yes. That was one of my favorite moments because it was just so like, you could tell like how hard you were trying. And it wasn't even to impress me. It was more so just to be like, look, I know what I'm talking about. I watch enough of this. I know who these people are. I see them every week. <laughs> and like, yeah, you know who they are, but you don't know their names well enough yet. Well, the worst part is I've probably said their names correctly 50 times before. Yeah, like in your own head too. And like the one time you say it. The one time I say them out loud, I say both of them incorrectly. So, so we, We've only watched a couple races on NBC, but me being an NBC employee, we like them better than Fox. That's just how it is. Yeah, we um, do. But you don't know a lot of the announcers over there yet dale jr's there you know him um um i know this one do you no um do. no i don't think i do i don't think you do <laughs> <laughs> got excited for were you thinking rick allen i was Steve certainly Littart, not jeff no. burton no you've heard jeff burton though before i was listening to i was listening to the scene vault podcast people in the car and jeff burton was the guest and you said something, you were like... Is this about this. his voice? Yeah, you hate oh, his yeah. voice. Yeah, I don't love his Did voice. Did I ever show you his brother's voice? I don't think I want to His name's Walt. It's not a lot of these. It's very worse. Well, if you can avoid showing me, that would be great. Well, anything for you, my sweetie. <laughs> um, we talked about Kyle Busch. Wait, I, wa- I want to add something okay, real quick. go ahead. You're in I control. do miss America's crew chief. Larry Mack? Larry Mack. Actually, okay. Talk about Larry Mack. I'm going to pull something up here to show you. Well... <laughs> I don't know much about him except that he's America's crew chief, but I do show it off, show off that piece of knowledge every opportunity I get. Every Just opportunity. don't ask me any follow-up questions about him. Well, he launched his new website today as we're recording this, and look at these shirts, America's crew chief shirts. I would never wear that. Do you know he was the crew chief for uh, Driver With My Name, Davey Allison? Wow. Yeah. Um, are you aware of his Larry McNuggets? No, but I think I want to know about that. So, you know, Larry McNuggets is the section on his website as we're looking at right now. On his website, it has like very elementary questions like, what is NASCAR? Who has the most championships? What do the flags mean? But during the broadcast. Jimmy Johnson. Do you know who else has seven championships? Dale Earnhardt. And? Um, I don't think I know this Can one. Can I give you a hint? Yes. Um, he owns Bubba's race car. Oh, um... Petty? Yeah. You know his yeah. first name? Richard. Yeah. Yeah. You know when his birthday is? Your birthday. Yeah. July 2nd. Go. That's right. That's right. Happy belated birthday, by the way. You talking to me or Richard? I'm talking to you. Okay. Thank you. Um, so on the broadcast. But if Richard's listening, happy birthday yeah. to you too. I hope you're listening. The King, if you're listening, please hit my line. We'd love to have you on. But on the broadcast, Larry Mack drops Larry McNuggets of like random knowledge that he just sprinkles out the route, and then Twitter's like, oh, I love my Larry McNuggets. It's great. <laughs> um, let's see where we are here. So we've been over Kyle Busch. If I say, I'm going to say a driver, and you give give me an adjective or just give me some random thoughts spewing as to what you think of them. We'll start off good. Okay. Jimmy Johnson. Attractive. Especially say in 2013. Wa- say what you want to say. He's a hot And he's the goat. I find myself rooting for him a little bit just because I really want to see him get another win in there before he retires. I'm telling you guys, she knows her shit. I know it. <laughs> he is the goat in my opinion, and he also is a very attractive man. That is, There's no debating that. And I'm saving a story for when we get closer to Phoenix on when I met his dad. I think I probably told it on this podcast, but essentially his dad is just really funny and had a funny story about 
um, when Jimmy was conceived. Anyways. Ooh. All right. That's Jimmy. Gorgeous. The goat. Yes. Whatever you want to call him. Dilf. Sure. Am I uh, allowed to say that on your podcast? Yes, you are. We're not bleeping that out. Dilf, <laughs> Dilf status. What about um, Ryan Blaney? Looks better without a mullet. And a mustache. Yes. Um, I mean, I'd say he's had a pretty good season so far. Yeah. I mean, he's had a win. He, he should have won at Texas. He had the best car. Yeah. He's, he just has to finish out these races. What about Chase Elliott? I mean, very attractive. He's the most popular driver for a reason, you know. That is true. Have you have I ever told you about Casey Kane? I don't think so. I'm looking him up right now. He was like he was like the Chase Elliott hot guy before there was Chase Elliott. Like a lot of the ladies were swooning over Casey Kane back in the day. He's got the blue eyes, jawline. What do you think of the jawline? You're not about it? It's okay. Huh. It's a nice jawline. Okay. I'm not swooning. Should I just search hot NASCAR drivers and see what comes up? <laughs> Hot NASCAR drivers. This is great live podcasting, people. Oh, what about Dylan? I don't know why Joey Logano came up. (laughs) So let's get to that. I guess you don't (laughs) think Joey's too hot, do you? I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, pick him on a list of hot NASCAR drivers. You wouldn't pick his teammate Brad Keselowski either, would you? Oh, most certainly would not. (laughs) See, when we were when I was prepping for this, I was telling her that I was gonna like ask certain questions, and she was like. But please don't make me seem like a bitch. And I here wanna, I am. I don't want to seem like one. But no, I, I'm not going to push you on it because I know you're too nice to be that. What about Cole Custer? This is you pushing. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't say what you said about him, I'm going to say what you said about him. Okay. Let me preface it by saying congrats to Cole on his win. <laughs> Very exciting. And to follow that up. Uh, I think he looks better with the mask. Masks <laughs> don't do a lot of people justice, but it is great for him. What about this guy? Yeah. This is the, I like him. This is the picture of Carl Edwards shirtless with a six-pack on the cover of ESPN the magazine. Real NASCAR fans know. Um, what about this guy? He's aight. I don't know what's happening with his hair. Jamie McMurray. Yep. You, know, you love your Jimmy. I do love my Jimmy. 2013 Jimmy is what you love. Yes. You like him with a beard. Oh, yeah. You like you like all your men with a beard. Yes, that's true. Was that Bub up there? Yeah, you think Bubba's cute, don't oh, you? Oh, yeah. Bubba's very cute. I haven't seen this one with clean-shaven Bubba. Bubba's been a fan favorite of mine this season. Yeah. Well, I didn't include him before, but I'm loving it. Well, let's jump into Bubba because um, you're a ve- very uh, political person in the sense of you're very knowledgeable and you keep yourself informed on things. And since I've been dating you, I have learned a lot about politics whether I like it or not, but it's probably good for me. <laughs> My political science major has to count for something. It's true. It does. Um, so when all the stuff went down, and, and also, you guys should know, Robin loves herself some Don Lemon on CNN. Mm, yes. So when our two worlds collided and <laughs> Don Lemon had Bubba on, it was like the synergy that nobody asked for. But I have to say, I love Don Lemon and I also love sleep. And so I may have slept through this segment. <laughs> so the first time that Bubba went on Don Lemon, I think this is when he called for the Confederate flag to be banned. Yes. It was at like 1130 or something on a weeknight. Way past my bedtime. And yeah. Robin wakes up early to work. So um, she just fell asleep on the couch and I'm just watching CNN. You woke me up too and I just I woke promptly you up fell and right, back, just went right sleep, back to sleep. Yeah. But it was just weird. Like I'm the one that's watching CNN right now and you're the one that's not paying attention and sleeping. But okay. So. <laughs> But when all that stuff went down, the Confederate flag got banned. Bubba was being really outspoken. The nuisance incident at Talladega and 
how Bubba is still at the forefront of the Black Lives Matter movement with NASCAR. What did you think of all that? Because, because as we said, you know, this is your first year, like really paying attention to stuff, and it just so happens that NASCAR has taken the most progressive stances that they have ever taken, and they're kind of leading the way in terms of sports right now in 2020. What did you think of all that? Oh, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, as you definitely know, the D.C. area where we're from is mm-hmm. not, you know, a there are not a ton of NASCAR fans. Yep. Um, and I think it does have a lot to do with NASCAR's reluctancy to, you know, take prof- like progressive actions. Um, so seeing the steps that NASCAR has taken this year have just been incredible. Um you know, Bubba being so outspoken um, and willing to talk with anyone who will hear his point of view, I thought is like has been great. Um, Ty Dillon doing a what was it an Instagram, Instagram live? live. Yeah. I loved that um, because as important as it is for um, you know Bubba to be a spokesperson um, for these kinds of issues for the sport. Uh, you know, we need more than just him. We need allies. We need supporters. And you need a white guy to do it, too. Yeah. And when Bubba's the only black driver full-time since Wendell Scott back in, like, what was it, the 70s or something like that? I mean, you need – I mean, the, the sport is predominantly white. Fans, drivers, executives, officials, all that stuff. So Kirk Price, who is the official who took a knee, that's great. Oh, Bubba, that was amazing. Bubba wearing the Black Lives Matter shirt, that's great. But until you have the other drivers, which are all white and also Cuban-American and also Mexican, it w- until you have those counterparts like also come together and unite as one, like the message was way more solidified when that happened at Talladega. And um, I, we weren't together when this happened, but when um, the act of solidarity, when they pushed this car to the front of the grid, you know, like that was one of the most powerful things that I had ever seen in NASCAR. I'm pretty and sure you cried. I did, yeah. Everyone, I mean, there was a lot of people that was crying. You, you know, she knows Jeff Gluck because I talk about Jeff a lot because Jeff's the man. Yes, hi, Jeff. Hi, Jeff's daughter. <laughs> I don't think Jeff's listening, <laughs> but if he is, what's up, Jeff? And hi, Liliana. And hi, Sarah. Um, but, like, Jeff tweeted afterwards, and he, like, talked about it on his podcast that it wasn't, like, a sniffle. It wasn't, like, a cry. It was, like, a like a full-on sob. Like, he was literally, like, crying his eyes out. It's because, and, um, you know, I wrote that article, too. It's, like, because for like for my entire life, NASCAR has been labeled a certain way as like a just a white man sport, either covertly or overtly racist. And like for the first time, like I was very proud to say that like I work in NASCAR. This is like my life's work. This is my profession. Because for the first time, they were actually going out of their way to support the LGBTQ community. And one of my best friends is gay. They were going out of their way to show support for like blacks that have been racially oppressed. And like. If you were to tell, you would have told me at the start of 2020 that NASCAR would be doing that within like a six month span and all the stuff that they did in that five day span that we've been over, like I would have told you you're crazy. So from a bit of an outsider's perspective, because you know more than the average American when it comes to NASCAR, but from an outsider's perspective, I mean, it was not a NASCAR story. It was not an ESPN story. It was not a national story. It was like an international story. Yeah. So to see them at the forefront of, of of that type of social change, like that was just crazy to me. And people like you that don't have the exposure to somebody that is in it as much as I am, I think their eyes were open to it a little bit as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And as you mentioned before, I watch a lot of news. Hmm. I take in a lot of news. Um, and I've never seen NASCAR um, 
you know, be, yeah, be such a storyline, um, you know, from the places I take in news and I thought it was great. And then I was able to have even more informed conversations with you about it. So it was a win-win. And we had an informed conversation with your parents. I've gotten your parents into it a little bit. Oh yeah. (laughs) Uh, your mom is a Kevin fan. Yes. Your dad was a Chase Elliott fan, and then he found out his political affiliations and jumped ship on that side of things. Yeah, so we'll see if he finds Which anyone else. Which everybody's entitled to their opinion. And as you know, in this podcast, you know, you guys know where I stand, and if you stand somewhere else, that's completely fine, and that's why I love you listening. That's why I love you. That's why I love this country. That's part of what we, we do here in Victory Lane. But I've gotten your parents into it, because your dad races a little bit himself. Yeah. But... Goes out um, to West Virginia sometimes. Right. But he's not super NASCAR inclined. He knows a little bit about sports car racing, Formula One here and there. But we were watching a race, and this is still when he was on the Chase bandwagon. Right. And then he just pulls out knowledge about Bill and running the Thunderbird and winning the million dollars. Yeah, we have no idea where that came from. I, I was like, whoa, like you know your stuff too, Mr. Marks. <laughs> um, so your, your parents have gotten into it. You've gotten into it. I'm sure if your brother were to come watch, he would probably get into it too. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about the Chesterfield story. <laughs> My you teased favorite. it at the beginning. Um, I told it wrong once before, so I'll just let you take over. Okay. So, oh, what date was, was I think this? It was Maybe like our third date. Yeah, probably our third date. It was what? Like, it had to be late February or early March of 2019. It was Daytona, so it would have been February. Right. So, like, late February or early March. Yes. Probably late Feb, yeah. And, um,. You know, me knowing that you're a big NASCAR fan um, and I was interested in you. I figured I would watch some of Daytona. You're interested in me? Uh, don't push it. Okay. <laughs> Everybody's cringing yes. right now. So I figured I would watch <laughs> such some of the uh, Daytona 500. This is last year's. This is last year. And uh, we were discussing on the date you had been at the race. I had watched it from home and... We were discussing Denny's win. And then out of nowhere, I mentioned that he was from Chesterfield, Virginia. And my Go jaw, Virginia. My jaw freaking drops on the floor. <laughs> I think I literally like spit out my bite because I was, <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, what'd you say? Well, honestly, you scared me earlier that meal and I spit out whatever did, was yeah. in my mouth. Yeah, so I it's did. only fair. But you said Chesterfield and I literally was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What was that? <laughs> And that's when he decided he wanted to date me more. That's when I knew, you guys. That's when I knew. Because, I mean, like on Fox, you know, Denny's winning and leading, and it shows his stats, like age, 38 at the time, hometown, Chesterfield, Virginia, all this stuff. And she was like, yeah, he's from Chesterfield. And I literally was like, how do you know that? Like, I was so shook. And then she kept saying it over and over again. I'm like, I could just listen to you say Chesterfield. All day long. All day. All day. So that's the Chesterfield You got to love a Virginian. You have Virginia to. is for lovers. You know, Jeff Burton's from Virginia, South Boston. I already forgot. who. That's the guy with the voice? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, well, okay. that's what, a very different part of Virginia. What do you think of my diecast collection? Pass? <laughs> uh-uh. Um, have to answer this one. My 500 it's a plus much. cars, and I buy new ones all the time. I actually got a notification that one of mine shipped today. Oh, great. That I pre-ordered. Great. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I cringe, not going <laughs> to lie. But you love it, so I try to be supportive. You're trying But just real know hard. I'm still cringing. Okay, good. Well, all the other <laughs> listeners that also have 
bigger die cast collections than I do. They're yeah, probably sorry. also cringing. I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, I think they still love you for I it. I hope I didn't insult you guys. All right. So we got my die cast collection. We got the Chesterfield story. We got your parents getting into it. Um, we got the social unrest in the country and how NASCAR handled that. I want to just touch on the female race car driver aspect of things because um, you know the name which, Danica Patrick. Which female race car drivers in uh, the Cup Series? Zero. Yeah, I know. I know you know. I just wanted to hear you say We're getting there. We had Danica. Uh, she's not there anymore. Uh, Xfinity, we don't really have any right now. Trucks, you have a couple that race part-time. Jennifer Joe Cobb, who you've probably never heard of. but Haley, pretty soon? Pretty soon. This also loops into one of my other questions. Like, You don't just know your Cup Series stuff. You know about Xfinity. You love Chase Briscoe. I love Chase Briscoe. You know about trucks. You love Derek Krause and Tyler Ankrum. Yes. And you know Arca because covering K&N as I did for the past couple years and me being gone every weekend, she was like, what is he doing out there anyway? I might as Why well do you think I like Derek Krause? Exactly. And Haley. And Sam Mayer. You do like Sam Mayer. You're not a huge Ty Gibbs fan though. No. I love his grandfather. Yes. But. Go Washington yeah. football team. Can't say that anymore. Yeah, no more. You don't like Ty's attitude. I don't like Ty's attitude. I mean. Because we were watching the race in Phoenix, and that's the race where he led the whole time, and then he wound up finishing second because he got bested on the restart, and it was at night, and he was wearing sunglasses because he was trying to hide his tears, and you were put off by that. I wasn't put off by the fact that he was crying. crying. Um, You know, we're all entitled to our emotions. I just thought he came off with a really poor attitude. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, a little entitled, yeah. If I'm allowed to say that, I mean, like, I, I know Ty, and Ty will probably tell you that, like, he's not the least entitled person in the world. I mean, like, when you're Joe Gibbs's grandson and you're running in the best equipment week in and week out, and I mean, he's won three of the last four Arca races, so like, he's got the talent and he's got the equipment. Oh, but, he deserves it. I give it to him. Yeah, yeah. So you're not a big Ty guy. You love Sam Mayer because you think he's a little baby. Um, who else do you like? You you like Derek. You like Tyler mostly because. They were in Canaan when I was covering it, and also because they were on my podcast very early. So they gave me an interview. So you're like, okay, I like them. Yes. Um, you like Britney Zamora as I well? And I only really listened to your podcast consistently at the beginning. Yes. So. Not anymore, <laughs> but you'll probably listen to this one. Well, I hear most of your... I probably will. I don't love my voice, so we'll see about that. Yeah. But uh, I think I hear enough of your quips that probably you know i know most things you'd be speaking you know about, about party people and the reggaeton and the cue that funky music white boys you know one enough. of my favorite songs yeah you know enough um so there's britney zamora there's Haley deegan who's probably going to be part-time in trucks if not this year next year for sure um natalie decker who's in trucks but she frankly is not all that great and not doing that great right now what I'm pulling think, for her. What do you think about the lack of female drivers in Xfinity and trucks or Xfinity and Cup, excuse me? And do you think that's a problem or do you think it's more so a product of NASCAR is not the most inviting sport to females in general? So them being of a lesser population and obviously it's going to be a little bit of a longer road and a tougher road to get to the top. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's probably if I had to guess the latter. Um you know, I think there's probably more, and I'm not going to claim to be an expert on the topic, but I think there's probably more that NASCAR could do to, you know, specifically help women advance in the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I'm sure there are women out there that have the same talent and just haven't had the opportunity to be yeah. recognized. Yeah. So, you know, I would love to um, see some of them move up. 
And I will tell you now, if there was a woman in the Cup Series, I would be pulling for them. So. You'd buy their shirt? Mm, I'd let you buy me the shirt. Okay. That works. <laughs> and I would maybe sleep in it. I'll allow that. <laughs> and if I were to interview them on the podcast, I'd let you say hello, too. Perfect. There, there's an incentive. Let them know I was pulling for them from the beginning. If you guys weren't convinced yet that Robin was dedicated to NASCAR and knew her stuff, what if I told you that when I was in Tucson, Arizona covering a race and she was in Europe and happened to be up in the middle of the night because of jet lag or whatever it was. Yeah. It was she like five went, or six in the morning. She went on fanschoice.tv, created an account. Do you still get those emails, by the I way? I still get those emails. And watched the race from Europe at like seven in the morning from Tucson, a random K&N race that like wasn't even that good of a race. That's dedication. What else would you do in the French Riviera? I could think of a few things. <laughs> Maybe like watch some replay cup races. Well, you or... know, I was near Monaco and I missed um, the Grand Prix by a week. Yeah. Well, you got me cool Monaco coasters. So I did. we'll forgive you for that. <laughs> Let's wrap up. Let's talk about the all-star race. You wanted me to ask you about what you thought about the slid back numbers, the lights, the underglow on the cars, the, the interesting format. Chase wound up winning the race. But in general, like the whole pomp and circumstance of the all-star race, because we were texting during it. And you were like, ooh, these intros are kind of hype. And I told they her, I was, like, I was like, wait till you see the actual intros when there's fans and you can actually high five people because they're really hype. But what did you think of the all-star race in general? I thought it was really cool. I mean, I think that there was a lot of buildup at the beginning. Um, I loved hearing the introductions of all the drivers because obviously these are some of the best of the best. Um, Obviously, would have liked to see Bubba get to compete in that, but it happens. Um, the underglow was awesome. Yeah. I really liked that feature. Um, the numbers, I really could have gone either way about. I know that to a lot of, you know, longtime NASCAR fans, mm-hmm. that was a huge change. It didn't really phase me. Yeah. Um, I, I warmed up to it a little bit more. Okay, it's progress. I liked I liked the underglow as well. I thought it was a bit gimmicky, and I could see why the traditionalists would rather them move the numbers and get rid of the underglow. But I think that if you were to keep the underglow and instead of making it manufacturer specific, like for example, like Jimmy, he has purple on his car, right? Right. If you let Jimmy do like purple underneath his car and did it in the back and the front and the sides, I think that looks sick. Yeah. Like if Marty could, could do get, like a I could get like a, like an orange thing or. You know, if uh, I'm trying to think of another driver that you like, uh, like if Clint, you know, sometimes he has that yellow car. If mm-hmm. he could do yellow around it, like that'd be um, sick. Speaking of yellow cars, can we talk about um, Matt Kenseth <laughs> <laughs> in his yes. little McDonald's outfit? <laughs> so I showed her a picture of Matt Kenseth, like doing a sponsor appearance or maybe it was on a Zoom press conference. And she like looked over my shoulder. She's like, what? Who is that? I'm like, it's Matt Kenseth. And she literally was like, he looks like a McDonald's employee. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he was decked out. (laughs) Hey, you're paying millions of dollars. I would let you deck me out in McDonald's stuff. This is true. All right. So here's the Bubba Wallace's intro from 2019 at the All-Star Race. I just want to get your live reaction on this. Wow. So like he uh, he chugged he did the Stone Cold Steve Austin and chugged two cokes and now he's like saying hi to all the fans and it's pretty hype and there's like dope music playing in the background so that's like a legit that felt like almost a little boy bandish kind of like WWE almost 
You know I don't watch that. You know I don't know the difference between that and boxing wrestling, and wrestling. Whatever. Yeah, she it's thought all, it's she all thought, the same. She thought Mike Tyson was a wrestler. Shh. <laughs> Let me keep that a secret. <laughs> also, last night she was like half tired, so she asked to get her water bottle and she called it a spoon. It happens. <laughs> On Please that forgive note, me. Um, let's end it with here. Do you think your boy Marty's going to be able to turn it around and contend for the title, or do you think his teammate Denny is going to one up him and finally get that elusive championship? No, I don't think Marty's going to do it. I would love to see it, but I don't think he's going to do it. I think it's Denny's year. I think if anyone's going to challenge him for that, it's going to be Kevin Harva. You're damn right it is. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Because, I, mean, I mean, I'm not they've wrong. Been, they've been the two guys. Oh, easily. I mean, Denny has four wins. Kevin has four wins. Marty has one. It happened to be the one race that I went to. Chase is up there, right? Chase has one win. I is mean, that he won, it? He won the all-star race, but he only has one points win. Oh. And Hendrick, they started it out the season really my well, mind. but they just haven't been as good as of late. So I guess we'll see. So Denny's your championship pick. Oh, yeah. Can you give me your championship four? Okay. So Denny's Denny's a shoe-in. Denny and Kevin. Uh-huh. So you got two spots to fill. Our shoe-ins. And remember, the more playoff points that you get throughout the regular season, the easier chance you have of advancing to the finals. Right. And Kyle right now has none. I think... Chase or Blaney. Okay. One of them are going to be in it. Mm-hmm. And my wild card, Alex Bowman. Really? <laughs> Bowman hasn't been doing too well as of late, but it, it only counts when you show up for the right time. So, okay, so you're going. I thought he had a win. Did he not? He has a win, but since the pandemic, since, since the pandemic stopped things and since they've come back, he's he hasn't been nearly as good. There's time. That was good, though. I like that. Do you remember? I, where, I probably just wanted to show off that I know. Do you remember where he won by chance? Ooh. It's on the West Coast. On the West Coast. Um, Fontana? Yep. Thank you. You had like a one <laughs> and two shot, so that was good. Um, okay, so you got Bowman as a wild card, Kevin, Denny, and either Blaney or Chase. Yeah. Honestly, it's probably going to be Blaney and Chase. Yeah. But. I, would, I would lean towards Denny and Kevin as locks. I would probably put Blaney in before Chase right now. And I would honestly kind of lean towards Blaney's teammate, whether it be Mr. Ugly Keselowski, Keselowski. or Joey. Joey. Yeah. I would lean I would lean Joey right now because Brad actually has impending free agency to worry about whether or not he's going to be at Penske next year or not. So we'll see. Do you have a prediction as to who's going to drive the 48 car next year because Jimmy's retiring? That's Can I give you some options? Okay. Corey LaJoy is a free agent. We do Kyle like Corey LaJoy's uh, beard. We so. do like Corey's beard. <laughs> Kyle Larson's reinstated. If, if teams want to sign no. him, he's an option. Um, Clint Boyer's contract is up. Okay. Eric Almirola's contract is up. Okay. Um, Blaney was a free agent, but he re-signed. Um, that's kind of it for the most part. There's always could the possibility Could we see anyone of, from Xfinity come up? There's always that possibility. So, like, Chase Briscoe could come and fill Clint's seat or Eric's I seat. I support that. You like Briscoe. I do like Chase Briscoe. He, he's your only guy in Xfinity, right? Um, He's my biggest. You there's, know a couple more, though. You know Justin Haley. Yes. Do you know Noah? Um, Noah Gregson. Yep. Um, I know Austin Sindrick. Mm-hmm. What about... <laughs> I know usually, like... The 10. You know Myatt Snyder? Does. I do. You know Ryan Vargas? Part-time Xfinity. Part-time, yes. Loves his chicken nuggets. Um, <laughs> all right, we're getting off track here. But this has been fun. Do you have anything else you'd like to add, Robin? That's a lot of pressure. Don't do that to me. Well, you have the final word. Well. <laughs> <laughs> final word. Goodbye. And we're back. 
Did you fall in love with her too? I know. Easy to, right? Especially when she knows her NASCAR like that. That's why I kept her. S seriously, that, that Chesterfield story, it was so funny. Because it was literally our third date. And when she just dropped the Chesterfield on me, I was literally like, okay. I think I know. This is the one. Let's preview Kansas Speedway this upcoming week. Or I shouldn't even say that because there's no race this weekend. There's Xfinity and Trucks in action this weekend and Arca as well from Kansas. But the Cup Series main show is on a Thursday. And I like that. Let's experiment a little bit. What do you say? Thursday night NASCAR. Kevin Harvick's going to roll off P1. Rodney Childers, his crew chief, was complaining earlier last week on Twitter about the draws. And he always got the short end of the stick. So... Looks like the racing draw gods actually listened to his prayers and gave him the starting spot of P1 this week. I don't really expect to see anything out of the ordinary in terms of expectations. I mean, he's going to stay up front, that being Harvick in the four. Denny Hamlin, I think he's going to have a solid day in the 11. Hendrick's going to be up there. I'm, I'm sure Chase Elliott will probably lead the brigade. He's won at Kansas before, I want to say. Um, Jimmy Johnson, can he finally get off the schneid and get that bad luck since returning from his COVID-19 diagnosis off his back. William Byron's right on the playoff cutoff line along with Jimmy Johnson. What about Eric Jones? I mean, he's below the cutoff line right now. And if we get another surprise winner, he's going to be looking very dire in terms of qualifying for the playoffs. So he's got to get on his high horse and, and contend for these wins more and more. He's, he might have to win a race to qualify for the playoffs because if things keep going the way they are, he might not even qualify based on points. Um, I'm not sure whether this is going to be a barn burner of a race or not. I know that when this package first debuted, I think a couple years back, the race at Kansas was a really good one. I want to say Brad Keselowski won that one. Um, it's at night. The grip will hopefully be good in the sense of multiple lanes being um, coming into fruition on the track. But I don't know. I'm not holding my breath. I know it's not going to be as bad as Texas, and it's not going to be as bad as Kentucky. Um, we just had like a bad stretch because Indy's usually not that great, although it had some action. Kentucky was terrible and Texas was eh. So Kansas, come on. Toto, Dorothy, come through for me, would you? Um, and also one note before we get into lug nuts, which is also a note. But Chad Knaus, crew chief for William Byron, he is actually going to miss this race due to the impending birth of their second child. And his wife broke his due any minute now. So remember Keith Rodden, Casey Kane's old crew chief at Hendrick? He is going to be a top-to-pit box calling the shots for William Byron. So we'll be interested to see how that goes for Team 24. And who knows, maybe they'll even get the win without Chad atop the pit box, which I'm sure would make him pissed off. would be funny. And William Byron's got to get on his high horse, too, and qualify for the playoffs because guess what? A Chad Knauss-led team has never missed the postseason. Fun fact for you. This could be the first year. Hopefully for William Byron and his fans, this will not be that year. Lugnuts of the week. Robin's favorite song. Cue that funky music, white boy. Real quick, Lugnuts of the week this week. We only got a couple nuggets to talk about. But NASCAR announced this week that there will be no practice or qualifying for the rest of the 2020 season. The draw procedure will be adjusted for the playoffs. We don't know how or what that's going to look like. I'm sure that we'll find out when the postseason comes closer, but... That's that. No qualifying, no practice. I'm sure Kyle Busch is punching air right now. I, I, I think it's fine. I, I don't love it, but I don't hate it. It's kind of just one of those things for me that it's been working, as Scott Miller said in the NASCAR release when they announced this. So why change anything? Um, I think it's, it's going to be a good, good experiment down the road to close out the year to see if this can be something that's implemented 
in the future in 2021 and beyond in a perfect world i would love to see maybe them line up based on points for a handful of races qualify for a handful as well but then for practice you eliminate most of it and you just have like a 30 minute shakedown session the morning of the race so like you know let's say the daytona 500 right let's say daytona is well that's a bad example because there's a lot of practice let's use fontana okay race is set to go green at 1 p.m local time let's say 10 a.m local time you set the cars out there for 30 minutes of a practice session and you give the the teams a chance to iron out any kinks or something like that i'd be fine with that but bob parker's fox sports he is not a fan of that i like that video that he posted Michael Rook, he is Angela Rook's husband. He has fined $10,000 for COVID-19 protocols and um, ignoring those, I guess. And Drew Blickensdurfer was also fined the same amount of money, but that was for one loose lug nut unsecured post-race from Texas. That will wrap things up for episode 67, the Buddy Arrington edition of Victory Lane 2.0. But I'm going to know this as the Robinho Marks, Robin Marks episode of the podcast thank you guys for listening if you like what you heard from me or more so from my girlfriend robin please leave a rating and a review to this podcast subscribe on itunes spotify google play soundcloud you know the drill by now wherever you get your podcast we are most likely available there for your consumption and if we're not drop me a line and i'll try to fix that problem for you we will not be back next week barring unforeseen circumstances of course but robin and i are actually heading up north to new england Uh, We're going to see some of my family there along the way, some of her family, and camp in Acadia National Park in Maine for a few nights, and also New Hampshire and the White Mountains. So if I got any listeners in Maine or New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Connecticut, whatever, if you got any recommendations on stuff to do, places to see, things to eat, whatever, let me know. Uh, I'd be more than willing to listen to you and take you up on those offers. So we'll be back in a couple weeks. Um, Probably going to miss the New Hampshire race, and um, that may be the only one that we'll miss, but I'm not sure, but taking a little week off or so from the podcast but fear not we will be back better than ever hopefully with a lot of hiking on my feet back from new hampshire and maine Um, but until next time peace and love my dude and dudettes thank you guys for listening appreciate your support as always and we'll catch you on the flip side in a couple weeks